What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Around the ACL. It's Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder, and Anthony Ione is back from Mexico. Welcome. How was your trip, Anthony? A uh, lot of sun, a lot of booze, a lot of food. It was it was a good time. Yeah, it was a really good time. <laughs> it's the best combination. Best yes. combination. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, you are on vacation. Um, we were just cornholing it up. Were you able to get into any of that cornhole when you were there or was your Wi-Fi as bad as mine when I was in Mexico? <laughs> I got, I got some in, but, uh, yeah, most of it was, uh, it was nice the way my travel home was. It was during, during all the live feeds over the weekend. So I was able to tune in quite a bit. Good, good stuff. Nice. Good stuff. All right. Well, we just had our pro shootout number three in Vegas, and uh, we had our winners for men's singles. First was Ryan Smith, second, Pedro Zazueta Jr., third, Jimmy Humans, and then also Eric Davis. And for women's, Kaylee Hunter took the win, second, Yeti Irwan, third, Sam Finley, and uh, also Cameron Belvin. And I almost thought Yeti was going to take it and Trey was going to look way too smart. Um, so <laughs> what are your thoughts on singles there, Trey? Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I thought I was going to be really smart because somebody walked up to me. I think it was might have been Mike. He, he said, who, you, who are you looking at in, in singles and doubles? And I said, well, in women's, I, I really like Yeti. And in doubles, I like Birchfield and Rawl. So I was looking awesome Boom. until the finals until the finals and i just fell apart. <laughs> but no no i thought it was uh on the single side at least uh yeti had a really good showing and 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 jeff made a good point though we we drama dramatized on purpose rosie's kind of path last year that she made it to five broadcasts losing in the singles or doubles well now yeti has that same feat now it hasn't been as focused on as Rosie's was, but you almost start to have the same level, same, same conversation of, is this in Yeti's head? Right. And, and is this something that she's, she's stressing about? Cause going up to it, she's one of the best players. I mean, she beats Sam pretty good. She comes back and uh, I don't know, that's something to look out for. But ultimately I think Kaylee just kind of finally played to her potential and she closed, which was really, really good. Um, was proud of her there. Ryan Smith on the men's single side. Um, man, he, I don't think a lot of people would have guessed that Ryan would have been the first player to qualify for the shootout championship in both singles and in doubles. Uh, now, would some people have picked him for either one? 100%. Maybe some people would have picked him to qualify in both, but it wouldn't have been until, you know, shootout seven or eight when he got there. But he just he, he found a way and he yeah. got it done. Um, and and I'm I was impressed. That roll bag is now deadly. I think we need to start having conversations. Does Ryan Smith have a top ten roll bag now? I mean, I, I think it'd be tough to label him a top five roll bag, but certainly he's been throwing it really effectively and and timing wise has been really strong with it. So. Uh, kudos to Ryan Smith. I was impressed by him. Jimmy Humans makes his second straight broadcast. Um, Eric Davis does the same. I think we're starting to see, you know, a lot of these dirty style players making their way onto the broadcast court. Um, some of them getting it done. Some of them aren't, but um, certainly impressed with Jimmy Humans. I feel like the way he's playing, he's eventually going to get one of those shootout wins. It's just a question of when, but 
ultimately, uh, yeah, Kaylee and Ryan, um, the, the pretty people steal the day. Pretty people steal the day in singles. So. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> looks, looks good on TV. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, Trey, I love your comment about uh, Smith's roll bag, and, and you talk about top five or top ten. I think it's the comment you made about timing and when to use it. I think he yeah. does that so well. He doesn't rely on that as a go-to bag. But these shootouts are tough. I mean, check this out. You got – Baldwin out after game one. Jay Rubin out after game one. Number one player in the world, Damon Dennis. One match, he's done. Mark Richards, done after game one. The single elimination, limited rounds are so, so tough. But yeah, if we kind of talk through the men's singles, I feel like Eric Davis is really improving here in the back half of the season. Uh, he continues to make deep runs. He hit 44 of 48 bags in that win against Jordan Power to get to the bracket final ultimately falling in that final game to Sasueta. Jimmy Humans. I mean, he continues to show his elite-level play here in the 2022 season, and a tough run for him through there. He had to go through a Storm Hogue. He got Mark Richards. He went through a national singles champ in Matthew Creek Killer, losing the bracket final to Ryan Smith, as you said, taking third overall. And we consistently get, consistently get that one unexpected face in the shootouts, you know, we had uh, Chelsea Hubbard who took Hubbard who took second uh, at shootout one. Moses Sasueta in shootout two. So here in shootout three, Trey, do we give this Biller Dark Horse Award to Peter Sasueta or Dean Norton? Because either Dean slapped on a really nice tan or <laughs> Sasueta borrowed a jersey. What was going on there? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so, so I do. So a little context to that, a little context. So normally we don't let people do that because we really don't like it. Um, but he begged us because because the thing is, he has a pro jersey and he left it at home. Like, oh, how do you how, – <laughs> how in the world – Is that the first thing you pack? Or bags, right? How do you leave either one of those at home? But the thing was, Mark Pryor was there. Yes. And he goes, hey, Mark, I don't have my jersey. Am I going to get my broadcast bonus if I don't have my jersey on? And Mark goes, nope. Wow! So he is begging us. He's like, "Please, I'm gonna get my my broadcast bonus from Ultra if I have an Ultra jersey on." So the only other pro in the building that had kind of a similar size that just yeah. had the Ultra branding was <laughs> Dean Norton. I said, "Dean better be getting a cut, right? No he doubt. better be getting a cut of that broadcast <laughs> bonus." <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, I figured it was the Ultra thing. <clears throat> so regardless, Team Ultra makes the broadcast. Um, but yeah, so Sasweta, he's the 114th ranked pro <clears throat> in the singles division. Uh, and he really got it done without any standout statistics other than wins. I mean, if you scroll down the 44 baggers in his bracket, he's like middle-ish of the pack in PPRs. He was outside the 10 percentile in DPR. So really just getting it done off a of win. So strong run from him. Last man standing, as you said, Ryan Smith, <clears throat> he's done booking his shootout tickets. So, he, like you said, he locked up doubles with Philip Lopez. He's now locked up singles. And and humans, I mean, he let him – humans let him off the hook in those late rounds. I mean, Smith was in trouble, uh, but he ended up capitalizing on humans' late game mistakes, uh, and then he just rolled through the championship. So, overall, I think a solid season for Smith, right? He's got an open singles championship, a shootout singles championship, doubles now and he's sitting top 10 in the in the pro division so uh, i think he's looking really good uh, maybe just a few things to mention about women's singles <clears throat> I, I did like your watch list 
um, pre-shootout saying, you know, I've got Yeti Irwan on my number two on the watch list. This is a player on the board that I see one to two times a week here in Colorado. And she's made some major improvements to her game. Um, I mean, I was just working with her right before the shootout. It was a Thursday night. We had a little tournament. I was just kind of working with her. We were running some scenarios. We were doing some airmail drills. Her get around bag is way better. She's really using the slick side of that bag. It's much improved. And then her airmail, I feel, is just levels above where she was. And she found herself deep into that game against uh, Kaylee Hunter. She was up 8-2 in the fifth round. Couldn't close it. She kind of caught the front lift lip of the board. Uh, I think it was like round five-ish. It ended up sitting in her lane right around four or five, which is the worst spot. Any bagger knows you get a bag in your lane right around that level four or five. It's terrible because you can't push through it. Going over the top typically sends you off the back. You have minimal room to land a tough spot. Cost her some points there. But ultimately, uh, Misha, I really like how Hunter remained composed. So she was down six mid-game, down four in the late rounds. And her ability to sneak past Yeti's bags that were sitting right in the red zone. She had about six points off of bags, sneaking around Yeti's bags right there on the hole. A big push in round nine was really the difference, earning her that shootout three championship. She was due, and I think I think this is going to feed her confidence, right? I think it was talked about, about on the broadcast about how she was trying to get over this confidence thing. That might be the last piece to take her to the next level. Uh, I think you're right. Going in the tubbles, we had Jamie Graham and Matt Guy, and then Trey Birchfield and Alex Rawls. Absolutely nothing shocking about any of that. Uh, so, Trey, your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I got kind of got a kick out of it because when we looked at that finals on TV, I, 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 I took a second on the broadcast to say this. I said, you have your number one and number two pl- teams in the world. You have your number one, your number two, and your yes. number three players <laughs> in the world. You have your 2021 singles world champion. You have your 2020 singles world champion. You have leading candidate for the rookie of the year. All on one board. Yes. <laughs> you, and, awesome. oh, and, and you have number one, number two, and number three in all time ACL titles. So literally as much decoration as you can have on a board was on that board in that pro shootout doubles final. But Ultimately, I mean, you you put those super teams together. It's just about you know who who. It's a flip a coin, right? Last time Rawls and Birchfield won. This time Graham and Guy won, right? Yep. They could probably play each other ten times. It's going to split five five, maybe six four in one direction. You can pick one. So, um, I think it was just kind of a little bit of revenge from Matt Guy in particular. He was the one that gave up the big five spot that ended up being the difference in the game last time that they played. And this time he scores against Trey Birchfield and ultimately was the difference in the game. It does go to overtime, but if that guy doesn't beat head to head against Trey Birchfield, they don't even get there. So Matt guy kind of uh, bounces back. He he gets the, the, the big win alongside Jamie. Jamie said, coming off the court, we got lucky. We didn't play that well. Um, and still found a way to beat mm-hmm. Birchfield and Rawls. So uh, ultimately um, I'm still 100% convinced Rawls and Birchfield get a win. Um, they, they they have been right there now twice. Uh, two times ago, it was, I think, a lack of focus. This time, they ran into Graham and Guy. Both of those aren't going to happen again because Rawls already got his win in singles, and Graham and Guy are done. So for me, no real reason to panic if you're Birchfield and Rawls. Facts.
Plus Birchfield gets a singles win and then they're off again. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Fair. Although Birchfield, I don't think is, is as, as emotional of a type as Rawls is. Right. I think it was the emotion that sure. Rawls had that, that caused them to, to panic a little bit. So. Very true. Anthony, anything to add? Yeah, you said it. No surprise there. And those teams really rolled all the way to the final four. I mean, nothing was even really close. Guy and Graham were really first challenged by the Hollands to get to the championship. They're down 8-4 in round 10. So they finished with four points in round 11 and two points in round 12 to get the dub. And check out how close that match was. 48 total bags thrown from the team. It was separated by one bag. Guy and Josh Holland missed two bags the entire match, so they kind of washed each other out. Graham missed one less bag than Derek to lock up the win. Um, but then on to the championship. I mean, you can't ask for anything more. I mean, I was loving this. Final round, tied at sixes. Tied at sixes, by the way. We're typically talking, you know, we're talking about these games to 21, and you're in this yep. final round. It's six to six in round 12. I mean, you got to love that, but... Um, Guy and Birchfield, they double bag there in the final round at the end of regulation, goes into sudden death. Um, uh, Rawls throws a bag way left, and then he throws one right, and he kind of tried to manufacture some points, missed his block, really making the scoring round easy for Graham Meesh. Graham now joins Ryan Smith as the only two players booking that ticket to both singles and a double shootout championship. I did want to say one more story, okay? You have number one seed out of rounders and number two seed out of rounders. Mackay, Jamie Graham, Trey Birchfield, and Alex Rawls. Okay? No big deal, right? However, let's go back to rounders. And I know it's rounders, but let's play the what if game. What if Jamie Graham and Matt Guy are not the number two seed? What if they end up on the same side as Birchfield and Rawls? Does that end up the same way? If they end up on the mm -hmm. same side, it means that they don't get to the finals. Well, Trey, why are you asking this? Just quit playing the what-if game. Tubby and Tice Cobb were up 17-0 to zero in round number five against Jamie Graham and Matt Guy. What? They were up 20-14 to 14 in round number 10, and Matt Guy scores seven against Tubby Cobb okay. to win – and clinch a number one or a number two seed coming out of rounders for that qualification. If Tubby Cobb does anything except give up seven or more points in that last round, we're probably talking about Matt Guy and Jamie Graham playing Trey Bertrand, Trey Birchfield and Alex Rawls earlier in the day, yeah. paving way for somebody else to make a final. And would that have put, made or played a difference? I don't know, but that just goes to show you how one round can influence yes. an entire tournament even if it is in rounders wow and you know what the worst part was make them feel bad you know what the worst part was at 20 to 14 and round number 10 i was watching the game in person and walked away oh. i didn't even i didn't even see the end of it and i oh, walked over like, to the director's table i walked over to the director's table or looked at the standings i said they put that game in wrong and they said no they didn't they scored seven in the last round i said you have got to be what? blanking me. You got to be blanking, blank, blank. Right, right. I mean, just that is awesome. Mind blowing. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, that's so sad for the cops, but <laughs> <laughs> they'll got to get them next time. 
All right, let's go ahead and bring Mike on for Morton Corner. Welcome, Mike, to the show. What do you got for us today? Hey, guys. Um, it, it's appropriate you guys are talking about the, the topic that you just uh, mentioned because I took a, a little bit of a deeper dive into some of the numbers from specifically the pro shootout. Um, I didn't look at the doubles numbers, interestingly enough, or, or that match would have stuck out a little bit more that Trey just mentioned. But um, I looked at the singles pro shootout stats and um, got some interesting stuff for you guys. We've talked about this specific stat before, um, but I was wondering if there would be anything different in this stat because it's a shootout. Because we've talked about how the psychology is a little bit different, how the strategy plays into it a little bit more. So what I did is I looked up who scores the first point of the game and who ultimately wins, how much percentage of the time that first point score is the winner. And then I went halfway through the match and said, who's going to win? You know, how much percentage of the time is the person that's winning after six rounds? How often do they hold on for the win? And then I wanted to look closer to the end and for matches that were that went the full length, who was winning after round 10 and what percentage of the time they held on for the win. So again, that that Matt guy, Jamie Graham and, and versus the Cobbs match uh, didn't make it in here because I was only looking at singles. But there was there was a lot of matches in there. There was two brackets of singles. So there, there was plenty of numbers here to uh, to compile. So all that being said, I told you what I did. I'm going to I'm going to start. I'm going to start with Anthony. Anthony, first point of the game. How important is it? What percentage of the time? Does the first point score win in? Is this shootout? Shootouts, right? Yeah, shootout, shootout format only. Yeah, I mean, and do you have the stats yeah. from the other one? Because, like, to compare, like, the, yeah, because we did this before, didn't we? We did this before. I, I, I don't have the exact stats, but I, I have some general comparisons. Okay. That I, but I don't want to say. I don't want to say what they are until you guys. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, clearly the math would say again. If I'll go back to my Matt guy uh, example. If I play two rounds against Matt Guy and I score in the first round, there's a good chance I might win that one. But if you extend it out to 40 rounds, not going to happen. Uh, so I would say, obviously, if you score first in a round-limited format, percentage-wise, it's got to be above 50%. We're talking 10 rounds or 12 rounds? 12. I only looked at the rounds. bracket matches that were that were uh, 12 rounds. I, Timeout. No, no. There, there were, there were. I did take the ten round matches that were televised in. I just adjusted them for the halfway point instead of the sixth round. I used the fifth round, um, and instead of round ten near the end, I used round eight. So I used two rounds to go. Above fifty percent. I'm, I'm going to go seventy. I'm going to go seventy percent. I, I feel like the numbers for first last point. Time for, for first point. First point wins seventy percent. All right. Wow. Mish, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to you second. What, what What do you think, Mish? I was going to say fifty. Anthony said it has to be more than 50. I was going to go 50. Okay. So I believe we were somewhere between 50 and 55% for play to 21. I believe was the answer. I think we were closer to 55%. My gut tells me I love how bold 70 is, but yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say 60 to 65%. Okay, fair enough. 62 and a half. No. <laughs> No, I am going to go back and now now I'm going to have to go back and relook at my original batch of statistics, but I am I'm pretty sure that that first point win was more in the 75th percentile range. Was because really? we were all in, 
we were all amazed at how large the number was. But then we started thinking about it. Well, how many of those matches, if you're looking at an entire tournament, how many of those matches were mismatches? You know, the, the final score is going to be 21 to 5, 21 to 3. So, yeah, the first point, you know, the, there's going to be a lot of lopsided games, and that's going to skew that stat a little oh, bit. Oh, well, then Anthony's going to kill us on this one. Mm-hmm. Anthony did kill you on this one. 77.65% of the time. Wow. Whoa. In the pro division in Las Vegas, in the pro singles brackets for the shootout, 77.65% of the time, if you score the first point of the game, whether that was in the first frame or the third frame or whenever it was, you held on for the win. That's crazy. because Specifically, it was 66, 66 times they held on for the win. Only 19 times did someone not score first and come That's back. That's crazy. Like, that totally changes the psychology. You get the first point, you're like, well, I have an almost 80% chance of winning yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> that makes that first round even more important. That is brutal. Absolutely. And, and all the players out there, if they're not listening and they don't understand that right now, they should start thinking about it. 77. Um, That's crazy. Okay. I'm ready. Right. I want the, I want the halfway point now. I'm, I'm driving right. your segment now, Mike. I'm driving it. So Absolutely. halfway point. Halfway point, if you're leading halfway through, so after round six for the non-televised games, after round five for the handful of televised games, what percentage of the time? I'll start I'll start with you this time, Trey. What percentage do you think you hold on for the win? I'll say 90. Okay. Misha, I'll put um, you second again. What, what 90, do you think? 95. 90 and 95. Look, we learned from our mistakes. We may have overcompensated. <laughs> Not going to go low, right? You're not going to yeah. lose low. Watch, Anthony's going to be on. on, on yeah, on so, he's all so here's, what I'm, here's what I'm thinking. And I, what, I might go the other way only because the skill level is going to be closer, right? You're not going to have any, like, um, you said in, the, wait, say that again. These are the entire brackets. So, yeah. for instance. Just the broadcast the players, stuff, right? No, no, no. This is the entire bracket. Bracket A and bracket B from the first game to the final game of the brackets. So some of the players, the ones that marched to the end and won four or five matches, some of those players' stats are in here four or five times. The players that got eliminated after one game, their match is only in here once. So yeah, the, the question is, bracket. what percentage of the time, Anthony, do people leading going into round number six okay. or after round number six, what percentage of those people end up winning the game if they're leading? It's got to be higher. It's got to be higher. So what is it? Okay, so he went under us. He went low. Okay. All right, so the number is 85.19. He's killing us. (laughs) Wow. 85% of the time. Now, again, if the players don't understand this, and I think intuitively most of them do, but but I think it's one of those stats that just doesn't – you don't understand it until you really think about it. If you're winning halfway through the match – between the round one and round seven being the lead, like that jump percentage wise, isn't that big. Like the first one's so much more important. Yeah, I it's like. only an 8% difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you score the first point, you're 77, 77.5% chance you're going to win. If you're leading after the halfway point, there's an 85% chance you're going to win. Yeah. So, Mike, where I thought you were going, because you were saying going into the sixth round, I thought you were doing the stat for just the broadcast games in the 10 no. round limited. No, because I, I think the the skill level gets closer. Yeah, you know, you don't have a bunch of blowout games, uh, and it kind of might play reason, into. 
Right. But the reason why I did mention I, it does include the whole bracket is after the first and second round matches, there weren't many blowouts. The, there, you know, the vast majority of these matches were the, the deeper bracket matches. So, all right. So you ready for the last number? I guess. Anthony. If you're, if you're playing. <laughs> now, okay. This is, this is after the 10th round if it was a 12 round game or after the eighth round, if it was a televised and it was only a 10 round game. So two rounds to go. If you're leading, what percentage of the time does the pro hold on for the win? This is Mish, got- I'm going to put you on the spot. Mish. Uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to learn. From, I'm going to go 87. 87. <laughs> All right. I'll okay. stick with 90. I still think it's 90. 90. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go 92. Yeah. That seems about. Okay. <laughs> The answer, uh, y'all are right. You've learned this by now. You're all in the the ballpark. It's actually almost 86, 85.94. So it doesn't change very much at all. This is so weird. To to near the end. So it goes from 85.19 to 85.94. So it is exponentially more important to score first. Yes. Yes, there you go. That's a good, good, you're getting most of your curve at the beginning and then it kind of flattens out. Yep. Now, now again, I remember us going through this before when our minds were blown on that first point statistic. It's important to remember, why are you scoring the first point? It's typically because you're the better player, which means you're supposed to win. So it's, it's you know, that, that number is going to be higher than 50% because typically the better player is the one that's going to score that first point. And, I, want a, and, I want a new one. Okay, go ahead, Anthony. Oh, I was just, just going to say, you know, Mish might jump in and say, you know, that there's some psyche going on there, that you're down in the <laughs> limited, and all of a sudden you have a handicap of some sort, you know? True. I, I'm sure that comes into play to some extent. And well, especially if, like, because you're saying first point scored, right? Because that could theoretically be in round four or five, right? Correct. I mean, I yeah. think almost every game it was round three or sooner. But, but yes, it could have been the first round, second been. round, third round. Be. It was just whoever took the lead first, they held on 77% of the time. Now, that's not to say there weren't some lead changes in some of those games. Sure. You know, but ultimately, that's just the way it shook out. Yeah, and one thing I was just about to ask was, I want to know who went first, what that percentage was. It just went first, but uh, yeah. I don't think you can track it. Yeah, I don't think that's something first that's bad? Yeah, because that's not something that's tracked. What do you mean? Isn't it on the bag tracker? No. So normally because – no, you can't tell who throws first in the first round. Obviously, every subsequent round you can say, well, this person – the last round somebody scored, so that person must be going first. Oh, I see what you're but saying, in, yeah. The one thing that they do track is which set of doubles team – which set of doubles players goes first, but you don't know which individual goes yeah. first. So, uh, man, that's – but, man, that's 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 an interesting thing. That I'm going to use that on the broadcast, Mike. You just give me a yeah. usable statistic on the broadcast. I love that. Nice. Outstanding. That's awesome. All right. So that's well, our that deep dive into the numbers from the pro shootout. Okay, Mike, and you owe us the other numbers for comparison. Okay, yes. Well, I'll go back and dig those up. They were on one of the earlier broadcasts, but I think they were very similar, which is a little mind-blowing to me. I thought right. the numbers would be a little different for the shootout format. I'm literally texting Jeff McCarriger right now. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, Mike, thanks so much for that. We appreciate you. All right, guys. See you next week. See you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Well, Let's keep it going and talk about the open that happened right after the shootout in Las Vegas. 
level one singles. Fisher Hamilton took first, our, our very first non-pro to win an open. So big feat for Fisher, also a young 16-year-old player. Second, Mark Richards. Third, Alex Rawls and Tanner Halbert. And for doubles, Jason Rubin and Jordan Power finally get their win. Cheyenne Renner and James Baldwin, Alan Rawls and Trey Birchfield, and Mark Richards and Philip Lopez. Those are all of our winners for the Open. Trey, what do you have for us on the Open? All right. Fisher Hamilton officially <laughs> ruins my prediction. He you ruined it. <laughs> Soiled there. it right at the end, too. And I was so confident going into these pro shootout Open combos that it was not going to happen. But the kid was unbelievable. Those cuts, those cuts, I couldn't, every single one of them, I couldn't believe. A death by a thousand cuts, but <laughs> I mean, it was just like, it was, it was unbelievable. There was that, I saw that one bag against Mark Richards. It just went up mm-hmm. and fell. I mean, it was just it, unbelievable. Um, you know, there were so many different impressive things to go through on his game. Um, but he had an immense control over that. And, and his roll bag almost, again, Anthony's the expert here on exactly all these different variations. But to me, it looked the most like a wheel bag that I'd seen. I don't, I didn't see very many wheel bags, Anthony, where it's almost completely vertical when it goes over. But so many of them looked like they were wheels when they were kind of going over that bag. So that was you know, an interesting, you know, uh, uh, way to look at, uh, um, you know, Fisher in particular, uh, you know, I love to see Mark Richards there. Mark Richards was, you know, just a few points away from joining Alex Hicks as the only player winning three open singles events. So yeah. he came really close, you know, I was going to argue, you know, you could argue that he's having just as successful as an open season as Alex Hicks. If he gets that done, obviously he doesn't though. Um, Great to see Damon Dennis go back on a dominant run. I didn't really get to see him much, um, you know, on, per se on the broadcast court. But obviously, when you look at statistics and who he's beating and wins, you know, that obviously means a lot. Um, uh, but but ultimately, the day was was Fisher Hamilton's, at least in singles. Um, so kudos to him. He, he makes a really strong case for the pro division next season um, and, and is, in his, you know, moving his way up the rank. So. Kudos, kudos. Um, I do have one other stat, though, and I was kind of going back and forth here. I'm kind of going off in a different direction here. But, Michelle, you asked a few weeks ago, because I was seeing some comments on Facebook about bag speeds and play styles and things of that nature. I looked through all 28 of the open winners so far this year. 14 singles, 14 doubles teams. And you asked what percentage of them were dirty style players. And I looked at them and with my best guest estimate, I looked at what kind of bags are they throwing? What kind of play style? You want to take a guess of what the percentage was of players that throw a dirty style game versus a clean game. I think it's smaller. I think the clean game gets more of the wins. I'm going to go 60-40. Anthony, any guess? 50-50. Anthony's right again. Thirteen (laughs) thirteen of the twenty-eight winners were dirty style players, and I didn't even I gave the balanced players to the other side. Right? I said if you were balanced, you could be a you're essentially a bag runner, right? Right. Someone just putting every bag in the hole, and that even includes like some fringe players like Isidro Herrera and Ryan Windsor as a doubles team. 
Where do you put them? I put them more on the balance side. I didn't include them on the dirty style game when I when I I could have if you got Windsor on that team. So, um, you know, I just thought that was an interesting stat. But I say all that to say Fisher Hamilton, another uh, yeah, just kudos to him for an impressive uh, impressive performance, being the first amateur to win an open event this season. Absolutely, Anthony. What do you think? Yeah, bracket winners. You got Mark Richards, Damon Dennis, Derek Holland. Absolutely slayed it all tournament. Alex Rawls, Frank Maudlin coming out, showing that he's recovered, making a good run. Gavin Cano, a young amateur with a strong game. Tanner Halbert and then uh, Fisher Hamilton, like you were saying, stole the show. 16-year-old out of Jacksonville. He's got the strong, dirty game, like you mentioned, and this kid has all the shots. And I think he used them with critical thinking and high IQ, which I think was important. This is unbelievable. He goes 11-1 on the day, his only loss to Matthew Creekkiller, then he redeems himself later when they run into each other again. Trey Mishan, everyone out there, just kind of look at this run. I think it was worthy of going through. It's absolutely insane. He pulls Noah Wooten in the third round, win. Devin Harbaugh next, win. Matthew Creekkiller was his first loss, and then he goes unconscious. Eric Davis, Harbaugh a second time. He redeems himself against Creekkiller, 21-1. to Double dips Josh Holland to win the bracket, He's not done yet. Frank Maudlin, Alex Rawls, and finally Mark Richards to win the Open. Absolutely bonkers. Just kind of sum that up. That's wins against five of the top 10 currently ranked players in the world in one tournament. Takes down both Rookie of the Year candidates. Beats a national champ 21 to 1. And after 14 attempts, the first amateur to win a singles event here in 2022. Mish, just saying it is unbelievable. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, he was. He was insane to watch. It was fun to watch. I couldn't wait for him to come back on the stream. <laughs> I was like, let's, no let's doubt. get him back. No doubt. <laughs> so good. All right, so congrats to Fisher on a great weekend. Let's move into news around the league. We had the Canadian Central Conference advanced singles winners, Dave Dunlop and second, Connor Weiss for doubles, Dean Lang and Brandon Brown, and Dave Dunlop and Sean Steven. For the Alabama State Championship, advanced singles, Riley Brewster and second, Johnny Thomas. For doubles, Randall Garrison and Johnny Thomas and Jonathan Etheridge and David Sanchez. And then lastly, the Rhode Island State Championship, Joe Regan and Michael Cardoso for first and second. And then Joe Regan and Brian McGee and Ryan Mitchell and Michael Cardoso. So congrats to every single person over the weekend on all of your wins. And now we get to move into buy or sell. So we're going to do buy or sell. I'm going to give you a player name and let me know if you think they're going to win a shootout. We've got how many shootouts left? We've got five. Five. All right. So five spots left. All right. First one, Megan Moppin. Buy or sell, Trey? I'm going to buy it. Uh, I think she will get one of the spots. I think her upside is just too strong. Um, she can go on crazy runs. Uh, We talk about floors and ceilings. She's got a really high ceiling. And because of that, I just think as long as she commits to traveling to some of the ones near the end of the shootout tour, she's going to steal one. There's, we're kind of, you know, everybody has kind of picked Cheyenne Renner. A lot of people pick Kaylee Hunter. I, I, I think, you know, Connie Altice is kind of the next one that everybody kind of expects. But aside from that, it's kind of an open game. And I think Megan will take one. Anthony, buy or sell? Buy, yeah, buy all day. <clears throat> Moppin's gearing up as the favorite to win now, in my opinion. Shootout one, she takes fifth. She takes third in shootout two. 
She's got three top five women's singles finishes in the open format, currently a top eight. Bye, bye, bye. Bye all day. Okay. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. That's an sync song, but that's cool. Um, <laughs> Yeti Irwan. I think I know what Trey's going to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm buying it, and but I'm fading. I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm worried because kind of when that came into my head that she's kind of in the same point as Rosie Streaker with the number of times she's been there, it was a little bit of worrisome, but statistically it's just, I don't know. I, I think she's going to get one of these. I really, really do that. She'll still, she'll still one. She's just too good, too consistent, especially this season. I'll buy it. Anthony. I agree. I'm going to buy as well, especially in this format. She's, she's been consistent uh, multiple times. Uh, games improving. I just feel like if you look at who's remaining in the field, she has a strong chance at it. I'm going to buy it. All right. Ryan Windsor by herself. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it. Uh, I just have yet to see Ryan Windsor compete as a top singles player this year. Seen it on doubles. He has proven he is a top level partner. If you put Ryan, and again, I'll clarify, I'm not saying he won't make it in doubles, right? I, I'm saying if we're talking about men's singles, I I'm I am going to sell it. Wow. I'm curious, Anthony. Yeah, tough one. Only five spots left. I mean, who's left? We still got Matt Guy out there, Mark Richards, Josh Holland, Halbert, Creek Killer. I mean, that's just a short list of a long list. It's not going to be easy. Uh, he did finish third in the first shootout, but hasn't really fared well in the last two. I feel like the shootout format is made for him, but the results just aren't there. I'm going to sell as well. Um, I really want him to prove me wrong because I think he can win the whole thing and take the 40K, but I'm selling. That should fire him up. <laughs> yep. Same with this person, Jordan Power. <sighs> oh, this one is hard. This one's harder. This one is harder for me. Um, the only thing that worries me is that I haven't seen it yet this year on the shootout side. Him, he's almost gotten a little bit into his head. Um, this is a 50-50 coin flip for me. I'll say bye, but it is really close. Okay. Anthony, what do you think? Man, Trey almost nailed exactly what I was going to say word for word. Um, tough one. First of all, does Power have the skill to win a shootout? Well, hell yes, he does. That's a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, I was going to say the same thing. Literally a coin flip, and to me, it's going to come down to the airmail. He has a no-hesitation-style airmail when it comes to the shootout formats. And in limited rounds, we know airmails are going to make or break you. I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy as well. All right. Uh, last one, uh, some doubles. So the Hollands, Derek and Josh Holland. What do you think? I'm going to buy this one. This is an easy buy, actually. Um, I was surprised. I said, I have no problem admitting, I said last week, I was very nervous. I thought they were going to be a team that when they faced adversity, they were going to you know, just fall over and collapse. Well, I, I didn't really see that from Josh Holland as well. Josh Holland lost a close one. They lost a close one. Um, you know, They played the best team that they don't have to play anymore for the rest of the summer unless they only go to like one more and get unlucky or something like that, if they're committed to going to two or three more, 
I just feel like the Hollands are just too good, especially with how Derek Holland played this last weekend. I buy them. I'm pretty confident in it as well. Okay. Anthony, you confident as well? I'm confident until I think about attendance. If I, if I look at it, if I'm correct, they've only made one of three of the shootouts. I could be wrong. Yeah. And then we're going West Coast a little bit. That's a coast-to-coast yeah. travel for them. So that's what has me selling. I just don't think they're going to make – there's only five left. If they only make two or three, that really puts them at a disadvantage. I'm selling only based on attendance. Yeah, I guess unless they go to the very last one and a lot of people are gone. <laughs> so, I mean, right. Well, that's keep right. in mind, where's the last one? The last one's at Spencer McKenzie's Cali. and everybody's going to be there. Cali, yeah. yeah last that's one's true. not going to be easy like it has been in the past. The easiest shootout to win this year will be shootout number seven in Wichita, Kansas. Promise. There you go. Hmm. Well, make sure you get there then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now you know. All right, let's go and look at our current standings right now. We'll start with uh, pro singles. Right now we have Jamie Graham in first, then Alex Rawls, Matt Guy, Mark Richards, Josh Holland, Tanner Halbert, Matthew Creek Killer, Damon Dennis, Doug Zaft, and Devin Harbaugh. So those are your pro singles top 10. What are your thoughts, Trey? Yeah, so uh, really big picture-wise, I almost kind of like to say, what did we expect coming into the season, right? I mean, what, who do we think was going to be our, our number one player in the world? You know, obviously, I think the biggest shock there is where's Trey Birchfield, right? Yeah. Trey Birchfield has, is not in that top 10. And I think that's a big surprise to people. Um, Jordan Power's not there either. There's another player we thought would be would contend, but his was kind of flight related. Okay. Who's our shock, right? I, I think it, it's, it's still a shock to me that. Alex Rawls, how many times do you get someone that is is as advertised, right? We said we kept hearing from people, he is amazing, advanced singles world champion. We said, yeah, 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 wait till he gets into the pro division, right? And he gets into the pro division, and he's completely legitimately top three player in the world right now. Um, I think we're not surprised about Matt Guy. Uh, obviously, the other surprises to me are, are, are some of your rookies. You know, Matthew Creekiller and uh, Matthew Creekiller and Mark Richards were the two breakout players that really surprised a lot of people. Tanner Halbert, not a shock. Um, Devin Harbaugh, not a shock. Damon Dennis. It's almost like you're surprised just how consistent Damon Dennis is, right? That's the only reason you're surprised is because how he continues to be as, as consistent as he is given his play style and his ability. So um, I really think the surprise of the year for me has been Alex Rawls. And I think, and I'm talking more personally for me, I could say Mark Richards and yes, and I could say Matthew Creekiller, yes, but I just didn't know them, right? I thought I knew what I was getting with Alex Rawls and I was just flat out wrong about it which I think to me and my personal opinion makes it that much more impressive. Well, and you, you gave that stat earlier about the different style of players and how many wins they have. But if I'm looking at this top 10, I'm not seeing a whole lot of dirty style players, right? Devin Harbaugh, Matthew Creek killer. Yeah, that's really it. That's really it. Really it to the top 10. Yeah. So that's interesting to look at. Anthony, what are your thoughts on the top 10 for singles? Yeah, I mean, we really didn't know where Jamie Graham and Matt Guy were going to land with their with their finishes from last season. Overly, overly impressed. 
specifically how Jamie Graham has come out this year. He said he was back. He said he was going to do it. I love the follow through, basically doing what he said he was going to do. Alex Rawls came out slow at the beginning. You know, we were talking about, oh, is Alex Rawls really the doubles partner or the player that uh, Trey Burstfield thinks he is? Overly impressed with how he's turned out. And then Mark Richards is kind of it's just the guy that jumped on the map for us. But the thing we got to keep in mind here is all of these players are going to drop their worst performance. One notable point here, one big leap, Tony Smith. Right now, if we drop everyone's lowest performance, he's going to jump into that number four spot. So we don't see wow. him anywhere on the list. Devin Harbaugh is going to jump out into the teens. So we will see a shift after this last national when everyone drops their lowest uh, their lowest score going into the worlds, of course. But Assuming they have a solid performance. Assuming they have yeah. a solid performance. <laughs> right? I mean, if Tony, if Tony Smith comes out and finishes 40th, right? We're not going to see that level of that level of play, see right? Not so, um, or these players keep booking their travel same day and don't make it. <laughs> That's a thing. You said it. That's a thing. <laughs> I'm just saying that could ruin it. All right, let's go into doubles. Uh, Jamie Graham, Matt Guy in first, then Alex Rawls and Trey Birchfield, Cheyenne Renner and James Baldwin, the Hollands, Jason Rubin, Jordan Power, Mark Richard, Phil Lopez. Eric Zockline, Tanner Halbert, Derek King, and Devin Harbaugh, Noah Wooten, Tony Smith, and Ryan Smith and Eric Anderson. That one was a little surprising to me. I didn't realize they were up there in that top 10, but good for them. Um, so, yeah, what are, we, what are we thinking here? You took the words right out of my mouth. Yes. Michelle. I mean, yes. that was you, – you said it best, and that shows you – you don't have necessarily have to make a broadcast every time to be in that conversation. I want to look at this top 10 and doubles with the same lens as I did singles. Where are my shocks and surprises? There's not as many here, right? I mean, for the most part, we're, we're seeing exactly the teams that we kind of expected to see. We knew that Jamie Graham and Matt Guy were going to be an incredible team. We knew Trey Birchfield picking his partner was going to be somewhere near the top. I personally didn't know if Cheyenne Renner and James Baldwin would be a top five team or a top three team, right? That's maybe a little bit of a surprise. I think where my maybe surprises are are the teams that aren't in the top 10 that we thought would be. Again, one of those spots that was taken has to be Mark Richards Mark and Philip Lopez. They just weren't on people's radar, right? So they take one spot. And so if I'm looking for a team that should have been there, there's really one of two teams that really sticks out to me that should and we expected to be there. One of them is Ryan Windsor and Isidro Herrera, not in the top 10. They're sitting at 12. And then Brett Guy and Eric Davis. You've heard us say, you know, we've said it many times that they've not had the season, at least at the national stage, that we kind of expected them to see. Maybe it was a Derek King, Devin Harbaugh that I was personally a little bit worried about because I didn't know how mentally Derek King was entering this season. And at least at the beginning of the year through that second national, they showed that they were a top five team. Now they sit at eight, but really everybody else on this list, Anthony, Michelle, I, I, I can't say that I'm very surprised. I mean, sure. Some people, maybe Eddie Grindersleeve and Kayla Batson being all the way at 17 is a little bit of surprise, but for the most part, what I expected. Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, Graham and Guy going for the repeat, impressive stuff. And if they can stay together, I think they keep doing that for a while. Um, I love that Alex Rawls ends up being the muscle in that group or that team with Rawls and Birchfield. He's definitely showing out this season. 
just kind of moving down the list a little bit, Jay Rubin and Jordan Power. Trey, as you know, I mean, we're talking about a bagger that had a lot of weight on his chest with life outside of the game. I mean, he hit a wall and was really questioning what his future was like in the game. I'm really proud of this guy. I mean, he dug deep. He put together some type of a recovery plan, and he's doing that sitting at number five right now. Um, Zockline was really the key piece to him and Halbert. I had them just outside of top 10 because I didn't know what we were going to get from him. Really impressed with what he's doing specifically in doubles. Derek King and Hallbrawl, again, another surprise. I love that Derek King's on the return. He's the key piece of that. Um, and Cheyenne Renner Baldwin. I mean, it, there must be something with Baldwin throwing outside arm. He he just is, is so successful in doubles with that outside arm. We don't see the same success in singles. I still try and make sense of it, but mm. impressive that they're that high. What is that, third? Yeah, they're yeah. third right now, which which blows my mind. Yeah, interesting. Uh, just to want to list really quickly the amateur top standings. We have Ryan, Weed Ryan Weedenfield, Chris Kingsbury, Justin Burton Jr., Kobe Costanza, Nick Patuski, Zachary Stickney, St Steve Der Derrick, Fisher Hamilton, Daniel Walker Jr., and Bobby Hunt. So those are our top 10 uh, amateurs. But unfortunately, we are running out of time, so we got to switch over to our holy hot takes. Trey, do you got a hot take ready? Yeah, I'm, I, I, I don't know if it's how hot it is, but uh, I just think I talked to Sam Finley a little bit this past weekend in Vegas. She wasn't happy with how she finished. I really think she's coming in confident to Everett. Sam Finley wins women's singles in Everett, Washington. Okay. Oh, all right. Anthony, what do you got? Uh, for my hot take, I'm going to look ahead to National Four, the final chase in the Chicago area. Derek Holland absolutely killed it in the open this weekend. He's trending up all season. I'm predicting him to win his final chase bracket at the next national. Wow. That is hot. That is steaming hot. Yes. Steaming love hot. It. I'm going to throw Ryan Windsor some love. Cause you guys threw him shade. So I'm going to say Ryan <laughs> Windsor finishes in the top 10 singles. Just because you guys said you didn't buy him for winning a shootout. So there you go, Ryan. All I don't right. know how hot that is, but I got your back. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's all we got time for today. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will see you guys all next time.